prayer. The very idea seems audacious, revolutionary, full of wonder and mystery. An invitation to speak to God, to seek, to knock, to ask. Like a little child climbing into father's arms, prayer is an intimate and personal experience. It's about opening your heart to a loving God, a good father, the one who truly knows you and truly loves you. Prayer is trusting him with your worries and fears, your hopes and dreams, your needs and desires. It's about carrying all life's burdens, big and small, before the throne of God and resting in the limitless peace of His extravagant grace. So pray without ceasing. Pray for each other as you would pray for yourself and praise Him for His faithfulness because there is power in prayer. Hi, good to see you this morning. <laughs> Welcome to Genesis Gathering. I'm Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here, and this is my wife, Nina. Together, we uh, co-pastor Genesis Gathering. Have been doing that for a while, and it's good to have you along in our live stream. Share the link with uh, a friend. Invite them along. Today, we're going to continue in our series entitled Prayer Transformed by Presence or being formed by presence. It's been a good series. I've enjoyed sharing it. I've never taught quite this way on the subject of prayer, I must admit. It's good. Yeah. So we invite you to engage with us. We're going to pose a question in just a second here. And here's what you do. Text us your feelings. Text, text us your opinions or your answer to the questions that are going to be posed. You do that at 720 878 3323. You can do that here in the congregation as well, or we can bring you the microphone uh, to share your question or your comment. Also, you can type it into the chat window. You'll notice there as you're watching there on your device, there is a chat window. If you don't see it, there's a button for show more or show chat. Click on that and the chat window will come up. Put your name in the bottom and, um, and sign in. You can make a name up if you'd just rather be anonymous, and that's fine as well. Jeff, great to have you with us, and anybody else that's uh, joining us. I know that our friend from Switzerland, who is normally with us each Sunday, Ralph, is on vacation with his wife, and so we're not going to uh, we're not going to have the joy of his presence here this morning. But anybody else that's uh, joining us, sign in. Let us know that you're watching. All right, we ready for the question? Okay, here we go. It's a two-part question, okay? And the first one's kind of multi-part in and of itself. Question number one, what do you do when God feels distant, when God doesn't cooperate, when God seems late, when God is unfair? And second, why is trusting God so difficult for us, so scary? Okay, and for those listening, I will repeat that, those who aren't watching and don't have the ability to watch, but they're listening to this. Again, the question is, what do you do when God seems or feels distant? 
when God doesn't cooperate, when God seems late, when God's unfair? What do you do? And secondly, why is trusting God so difficult for us, so scary? Anybody in here have something they want to answer? Or? I, let's see what, okay. <clears throat> Your mic's on? Yeah, I think okay. I'm, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, I, I see a hand. Oh, we have one. I see a I hand. See a hand. <laughs> Often, oh. A little louder. Okay. Oftentimes, get more volume. I, if I feel like I am distant from God or I can't hear God, uh, it's because of the noise in my life. And so I think getting quiet time um, and just trying to listen is, is important. Anyone else have anything? Really good. Anybody else ever experienced noise in your life to the point to where it was difficult <laughs> to perceive God, he seemed distant, not cooperating with you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever quite thought of God not cooperating. Not cooperating, yeah. I guess I've always felt like I'm supposed to cooperate. With I, I got to get everything right so that I'm cooperating with him. He, he, he doesn't, I mean, he's all, all good. He's, all he's good. God. He's, he's God. He's yeah. got it together. He's God. He doesn't make any errors. Well, the, you know, the question is asked more from the human standpoint. Yeah. It feels like yeah, yeah, I'm just God's saying, distant. I've never he's felt, not cooperating. I've never thought of the cooperating thought. I, I can see. see why somebody might. Okay. Um, why is trusting God so difficult for us? Um, because I want to be in control. Oh. And, well, that's and sometimes honest. trusting him means that I'm not in control and I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very good point. Yeah, very transparent and thank you. And I think probably, the, I, I know in my life anyway, the, the single greatest issue, I want to be in control. I want to be in control of the outcome of everything. And so sometimes We could talk about that for a while. Yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to get out of the way, you know, and trust. I mean, just deeply trust and let go. Of course, I was talking about you. I know you were, and I'm just ignoring. I'm just trying to ignore. <laughs> I know we all have those times for yeah, sure. Yeah, we do. I'm monitoring the chat. You can type in a chat um, response to this. Engage with us. Let us know your feelings or your thoughts about either one of those questions. Anybody else here in the congregation? Great Is responses that a hand? so far. <laughs> that a, do I see a hand? It looks like a metronome. <laughs> Usually when God feels distant to me, it's because I'm distant to God. It's because I have lived the day or whatever I'm going through without connecting with him. I don't think it's that he's distant from me. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just so preoccupied with everything else that's going on, I am distant from him. And I have to pull myself back and say, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So, so far, nobody's, all you good Christians are refusing to blame God for being distant. And I, and <laughs> I <laughs> surely God couldn't be distant from us. And so it's us, obviously, it's, it's us. And we're, we're kind of theologically, we're adjusted to that point that God actually isn't holding himself distant from us. 
But it sure feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? Well, this is switching a little heavier, but I want to say it because it's part of my life. Um, when my son suddenly died, who was perfectly healthy and happy and had a baby and wonderful uh, three kids and a, and a wife here, and glorifying the Lord every day in his life, you know, just a total joy. And when he was suddenly taken by his first heart attack in a matter of minutes, um, you know, I prayed that prayer, God, he'll be alive when I get to the ER. He will be there. It's going to be because, you know, I'm asking for this miracle, and there are 85-year-olds that get quadruple bypasses, and they mow the yard, you know. So it's like this is going to happen, and when I get there, he's dead on arrival, you know. And I was mad at God. I blamed him, and I know many people do. I'm not alone. And, uh, you know, he was actually speaking to me. The Holy, I hear the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and giving me a wonderful promise. During this time, I said, tell it to somebody else. I don't even want to hear it right now. You yeah. know, I don't want to hear it. But what I've learned is life is unfair, but God is good. Mm -hmm. And that he's always present. But I had many people I know have had those experiences I'm describing, and they yeah. never get out of it. They never, don't come to church. True. They don't believe. They don't want to even hear it. My neighbors, they don't want to hear about it because God didn't grant their prayer yeah. request, a, a, a big one. Exactly. They let the little ones go, but that big one. And I could have done that. You know, I really could have. And yeah. I had to know that it was okay to be angry with my father in heaven. And really grieve that and wow. really talk to have that big talks and say, I Great am point. really mad at you. You know, I'm really angry. And you could have done this. You know, you could have done you it. You could have healed my son. Yeah, you could have done it. Like you'd let, you know, all the stories. But, you know, I didn't get this. And, and, and I have been faithful in my life, you know, and I have, you know, and all that jazz. But what I learned was, now this is going to seem really weird to people, but I had to forgive God. Now, of course, he doesn't need my forgiveness. That sounds sacrilegious. Right. But I had to say, I'm going to let you have this one and get on my knees and say, you know, because all your promises and all your presence in my life has been real and I know that you exist, I'm not going to let you go because just because life is so unfair. And, you, and I think a person has to decide that. And then you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of this. I am because I'm not going to choose bitterness and distance from you because I can't. Thank you, Mary. You know, but anyway, that's long, but thanks for listening. That's Thank great. you. Great. Really great points. I hope everybody was able to hear that out in the live stream. Um, really great. I mean, you touch on a couple of things that I'm, I'm going to touch on here. Certainly, there's tons of people who are angry with God and, and give up and just say, well, there must not be a God or why should I serve a God who would let my child die mm -hmm. or any number. There's, you're right. There's so many people who are like that. And, uh, and, it, and, it's, and, and I don't know what it takes. What you did, you had enough of a relationship, it seems like, that you were able to, even though you were angry with him, you were still con so connected that you talked to him about it. You didn't just turn and run away so, which is what, of course, some people feel, feel they need to do. God, you failed me. God, you failed me. You could have turned this around. You could have changed this. My son could still be living today. You failed me. You did not answer my prayer. Any number of responses to that. And I'm angry with you. And 
Uh, and, and I don't even believe there is a God uh, now. Well, lots of things happen mm -hmm. as a result of this, these circumstances. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm, I'm reorganizing uh, uh, through Mary's response. And she said, I, I had to forgive God. And I, I think what you're pointing out here that you said many people d don't make it back after that. Many people <laughs> stop being a Christian, stop going to church, stop whatever. But Mary, you had enough of a relationship. You had a relationship where you knew. I mean, your foundation was strong enough where you kept at it. And I, I hope to steer in that direction today as well as we talk about this because this whole series has been about being formed by presence, being formed by pre prayer is not about getting. Prayer is not about acquiring from God, all right? He's not our sugar daddy. Prayer is about us being formed in his presence into his character. Well, Jeff has said a couple things here. Um, one of them is um, keep praying and seeing God We've been told that it happens in God's time, quote unquote. When God is unfair, it doesn't answer your prayer. It'll happen in God's time. That is when he seems to be unfair, when he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to answer them. And he adds to that, why trusting God is difficult for us or why it's so scary is because we have put our faith in someone and something that we cannot see. And, and so uh, sometimes our heart says, he's not listening to me. Jeff, Jeff said, here, don't make me cry. <laughs> so he knows something about lifting prayer uh, to be set free from something that has held on for so long and seemingly not had an answer. So I, I di Now this is a different line of thought so on that question about uh trusting what is the question again why is trusting god so difficult for us so scary and of course i do think a real big answer is is that uh, we can't see him and that we want control i think those are big deals but i also wondered if how we were raised in childhood might affect mm. if we feel like we can trust or not so like if we can't trust our dad or we can't trust our mom, we can't trust the authority figures, the, the physical authority figures in our life, it seems to me that would transfer over to not being able, that might be one reason of not being able to trust God. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. Yeah, definitely. Anybody else? Good, good engagement, everybody. Thank you so much. Well, I guess we're, we're going to end it there. I'm going to stop it. Go ahead and just pull one and stop it, okay? And uh, the reason why is because I have so many things that I want to get to you this morning. Our text for our message this morning is found in Proverbs chapter 3 and in Hebrews chapter 8. Join me as we look together at those two passages. Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Notice that phrase, lean not on your understanding. Literally in the Hebrew that says, upon your own understandings, you are resting upon nothing. 
when you are leaning to your own understanding, you are resting on nothing. That's what is said in the Hebrew. That's the phrasing. That's literally the Hebrew language for that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart because if you lean to your own understanding, you are being supported by nothing. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, and this is from the mirror translation. The Spirit also sighs within us with words too deep for articulation, assisting us in our prayers when we struggle to know how to pray properly. Have you ever struggled to know how to pray properly? Come on, everyone. How many of you have struggled to know how to pray properly? And I'm not talking about a formula of prayer. I'm talking about the very things that have already come up. We're in a circumstance where we just don't know how to pray about this. And the prayers that we have been praying seemingly are not being answered. And so Paul says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you is going to take over in those times. He sighs within us with words that are too deep. Sometimes you can't even get them out. And he says, he's, he, Paul says, the Holy Spirit assists you in prayer. Wow, what a thing to trust in this morning. You're not praying alone. You have a partner. You have somebody who is with you in prayer, assisting you in your time of prayer. He understands what you're going through. He's touched with your emotions, your infirmities, the scripture says. He understands he was tempted in all points, like as we have been. He's gone through every test, every trial, every sadness, every grief, every difficulty, as we have. And so he's able to come alongside and assist us with our prayers when we are struggling with how to pray. It continues, Paul continues, when we feel restricted in our flesh, he supersedes our clumsy efforts and hits the bullseye every time. What a great principle to put my trust in. Holy Spirit is with me when I pray. He's going to assist me. He knows when I'm just fumbling through things and being clumsy and not able to come up with the right words and so forth, and I can just lean into him, not my own understanding, and trust that he's going to pray through me. Today's big idea I'm going to borrow from last week first, as I'm expressing our big idea today, from something that Baxter Kruger said, and I quote him once again, it is not about you inviting Jesus into your life. It is about Jesus already including you in his. Now stop and think about that. When you are praying, you are not inviting Jesus into your life. You're not trying to get God to come into your circumstances. Our posture in prayer begins with the fact that Jesus has already invited us into his life. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus experience the death of loved ones? Did Jesus experience turmoil? Did Jesus go through people hating him? Did he experience being an outcast? 
being misunderstood, being misquoted, having whole groups of people turn on him? Did Jesus experience literally every emotion contrary and every contradiction to victory in life and the Father's will that you and I experience? Absolutely. And so he invites us into his life, not our own, and he says, sit, rest. Now, here's our big idea for today. Deeply trusting Jesus in prayer expresses itself in, number one, total surrender. Number two, outward acts of love. I I love this next little graphic that we have for you here. I stumbled across this. Look with me. Faith is recalling that I grow not by trying, but by trusting. Faith is. Faith is recalling that I grow not by trying, but by trusting. What does trusting look like? We throw it around. It's easy. Trust in God. I'm trusting God. I've prayed. Well, let's pray. Let's trust God. Well, what are we really saying when we say that? Well, the Hebrew word used in our text in Proverbs for trust means to stretch out or lay face down. It's a picture of a man totally stretched out on his face before God. Let me ask you something. In your worst moment, in your darkest hour, are you able to prostrate yourself before the Lord with your face hidden, as it were? You might be looking up at him, but you, you understand. And I think there would be something to physically doing this, laying on the ground, prostrating yourself, and just saying, God, I surrender. Trust looks like total surrender. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. You see, there's no room there for exception. It's a picture of us totally in surrender before the Lord. That's what the word trust means. It's not how to get the victory in prayer. It's not how to to pray the right prayer enough times so that I can get this thing. The goal isn't to get something. The goal is to get into his presence, to be in his presence. Not get there, but just be in his presence, to humble ourselves. Lay prostrate in his presence in a place of trust and say, I surrender. In the middle of my darkest hour, my worst circumstances, I trust you. And trust in the Hebrew looks like being prostrate before the Lord, just humbled and laid out with face down. Trusting God brings a certain element of hope into our lives. That's why it's important. I'm going to give you four reasons why trusting God in this fashion, according to Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not some of your heart, 
Not if you agree with him. Not if he seems to be answering. Not if things are going your way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Where's that start? On your face before him. And four things will begin to happen. You'll benefit and realize four things from trusting in the Lord. Trusting God brings a certain element of hope. For me, the most difficult thing whenever I pray is feeling hopeless. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 25, in the meantime, our expectation takes us beyond visual confirmation into a place of patient contentment. Let me ask you a question. The last time you felt hopeless, overrun, circumstances were just overwhelming you, did you feel like you could just shut off? See, now I understand why he wants us to be laid out on the floor with our face down. He needs us to shut off all of the visual communication and confirmation that things aren't working. He wants you to turn that eye gate off. Things aren't working. Oh my gosh, look at my children. Look at my finances. Look at my bank account. Look at my house. Oh, my friends have turned their back on, on me. All of these things, he wants us to lay down, shut that visual communication and confirmation off and enter the place of contentment? You can enter a place of contentment when going through some of the darkest moments or hours, days, months, years of your life? It is possible. Through Holy Spirit, your helper, your assistant, who's with you in prayer, even when you do not know how to pray. Watch this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. But you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan, so you'll be there for the promised completion. I wonder how many times we have left the place of presence where we were just humbled before him and trusting and saying, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, I trust you. I'm not going to be in control. I'm not going to tell you how the outcome has to be. I just trust you. And in that place, get hope. How many of us were willing to stay there until the answer comes? Verse 35 of that passage says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your hope. How do you do that? By leaving the place of trust too soon and starting to look again at the circumstances. You remember how Jesus, when they were out on, on the boat when his disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee and a storm rose and Jesus came walking late at night on the water. It was dark and they thought he was a ghost and they began to cry out and all sorts of things were going through their mind, all sorts of imaginations just like happened to you and me when we're going through a dark hour of conflict and contradiction to the promise that we've believed. And all of a sudden, Peter says, Lord, is that you? And what happened? Jesus said, Peter, come. And the Bible says Jesus got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. But then what, what happened? You remember that story? Peter looked around at his circumstances. He saw the darkness 
and the unfriendliness and the hatred and the sickness and the times at the doctor and he saw the disease and he saw the political climate and he saw all of this going on and everything turning bad. He saw the pandemic. He saw the loss of a job and he couldn't get his career back. He looked at that and the Bible says he began to sink because he took his eyes off of that trust element of hope. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, a confident expectation that what you believe is going to indeed happen. So don't leave the place of hope. Trusting God brings an element of hope. Stay there, stay in it. Don't look at your circumstances. Number two, trust believes there's something redeemable amidst the devastation. I was thinking about this in light of Ukraine and the war that's going on there, the lives that have been destroyed, the loss of life for many families and loved ones who have already had people killed in the war. And then you see these pictures of the sheer devastation of buildings and cities that have been bombed, cars lying everywhere, bridges gone. And I stop and I think, how long will it take to rebuild all that? What would I do if suddenly bombs fell on Denver, Colorado, and our way of living and how we get around and what we do was just being wiped out? And then somebody precious was taken and killed by a bullet or a bomb. Could I trust? Could I continue to believe that there's something redeemable in the midst of this devastation? And Paul writes to us and he says this. No temptation has taken you. Now, that's not just a moral compromise. He's talking about tragedy He's talking about difficulties. He's talking about tests. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Romans chapter 8, all things work together to the good. Nothing can take you out of his hand. So no matter how great your devastation. You know, I've been hearing reports where Russian soldiers are getting out of their tanks and giving up. Turning around and destroying their arms and their tanks. Burning them and defecting. <laughs> Hey, God's got an answer for this thing, man. I mean, supernaturally, God will come to you in your hour. Holy Spirit is there assisting you, everybody. Holy Spirit is there assisting you in prayer. And he's bringing hope, and he wants you to continue to trust that God is going to redeem this thing, and he will get glory and praise out of it. In some way, you are never tempted above what you are able, dear one. Never. Third, Trust embraces mystery, believing that God will cause us to see him more clearly. No one has ever, ever in my life, 
No one I know. And Mary, as I listen to your situation, I just, you weep inside. Your, your son was young. He wasn't an old man. And uh, why so, not only, well, there's never a right time. And cancer is such, a, such an evil and such a, we were talking about this the other day. How the cancer is so diabolical. And after all that man has accomplished, all that humankind has done and accomplished scientifically and flying to the moon and doing the things that we've done, we haven't been able to beat cancer. Treat it. Lengthen life for a few days. But haven't been able to beat it. In the face of that, people give up. In the face of that, the temptation becomes in their mind, too great. And we lose hope. And Paul's response to that is don't lose hope. Paul's response to that is, hey, learn to embrace mystery as Job did. And you will see God more clearly. No one under the sound of my voice has ever suffered the things that Job suffered in the manner that Job suffered them. And to the degree that Job suffered them. And I'm convinced that the reason the book of Job is there in our Bible is to show us an example of somebody who has been where you have been and even deeper in most situations and lost even greater things. And yet, by the end of the book, in chapter 42, verse 5, here's what Job says about the whole experience. I had heard about you before. But now I have seen you. Dear ones, it is possible for you to see God even more clearly through your trial. Stay in hope. Stick with it. Don't give up. And I can tell you this. I've come to embrace that there is mystery to sin. There's mystery to being human. There's mystery in a number of things where before I thought I had to have a pat answer. I want an answer now. This is not God's will, so I've got to change it through my prayer and through confessing and saying the right things and believing the right way and so on and so forth. And now I've come to understand that there's mystery which is also the book of Job. There aren't answers sometimes, and that's okay because God doesn't call us to the place of answers. God calls us to the place of being prostrate with our head down where he infuses us with hope and life and causes us to see him more clearly. The goal of my trial is not victory. The goal of my trial is to see him more clearly. Your trial is an opportunity to refocus on God's bigness. And finally, number four, trust holds up a full-length mirror revealing the depth and quality of my own faith. So I'll say it this way, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. James chapter one, you've heard it before. I'll read it from the mirror translation. Watch this, James chapter one, verses two through three. Temptations and contradictions come in different shapes, sizes, and intervals. 
Their intention is always to suck you into their energy field. However, my friends, your joy in who you know you, excuse me, your joy in who you know you are leads you out triumphantly every time. Here's the secret. Joy is not something you have to fake. It is the fruit of what your faith knows to be true about you. You know that the proof of your faith results in a persuasion that remains constant in contradiction. Don't give up. Your answer is coming. And it might not be the answer that Job wanted. It might not be the answer that you want. But I can promise you this. It will be the answer that causes you to see God more clearly. And it's an opportunity for your faith to be stronger. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I'll read it from the message translation. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting... God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. Watch this. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition. He keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Wow. So I told you that our big idea today was that deeply trusting Jesus expresses itself in two ways. Number one, total surrender, which is trust, which I've just defined for you. But secondly, Outward acts of love and service. Well, what does that look like? Look with me. Romans chapter 12. I'll read verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Sometimes the greatest prayer you will ever pray is to set your distractions and your contradictions, your tests and your trials to the side and go help somebody else. Go serve someone. I always used to view this as a moral verse. Jeff, Paul's urging you you need to offer your body, be sure it's clean, be sure it's free from sin. Don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with those who do. Avoid sexual this and that. I wonder if Paul might be talking about that our bodies are a prayer. And that our act of true worship and prayer is when we allow God to use, yes, even our bodies for acts of service and loving others well. Jeff, oh my goodness. Almost sounds a little New Age-ish. Yeah, watch this one. Through this verse, the principle of this verse, you connect to what is sacred. When you choose to offer your body 
and you make even the things that you are doing with your body an act of worship and serving others and being involved and helping and doing something for somebody else, blessing them. It could be shoveling the snow. It could be clearing a walk. It could be helping somebody with their car and, and fixing their car. It, it, it could be going shopping for them and bringing home some groceries because they're unable. It could be taking the kids for a day or an evening while they get to slip out. It, it, there's just so many different things that it might be. And do you know that when you do that, you are praying? You are using your body to connect with what is sacred. It is worship. Hallelujah. For John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, you've heard of that denomination, have you not? The Methodist church, the Methodist movement. Do you know who started that whole big movement of the Methodist people and church? John Wesley, an evangelist. For him, this whole thing of separating prayer from our physical living and what's prayer and what's not, that was not even a question. And and I know this is going to sound very either Catholic or New Age, but listen to this quote from John Wesley in his book, A Plain Account of Christian Perfection, and I quote, whether we think of or speak to God, whether we act or suffer for him, all is prayer. When we have no other object than his love and the desire of pleasing him, all that a Christian does, even in eating and sleeping, is prayer. When it is done in simplicity, according to the order of God, without either adding to or diminishing from it by his own choice, end quote. Could it be that you have prayed more often than you thought you had and involved yourself in true connecting with the divine more often than you did, but you were living in dualism and so you thought, that this over here was more secular and less spiritual, but when you were on your knees and your hands were folded and you were looking up and you were singing a praise song and you were asking the right things according to Bible scriptures or what you've been taught about prayer, that that was real prayer. And this other was just being busy with work. Really, that's a dualistic life. And one of the things Jesus sets us free from is living a dualistic life where we have, where we separate the sacred and the secular. There is no difference. There's no difference because I am in him and he is in me. It's not about me inviting Jesus into my life. He's invited me into his. Deeply trusting Jesus in prayer isn't about the right things I say. It's about prostrating myself in pure trust and allowing Holy Spirit to use me, to pray through me, to connect with that which is sacred to him. And sometimes you know what he's going to say? 
The next time you're saying to somebody who has great need, especially a physical one, and you say to them, I'll pray for you. I'll be sure to pray for you. And it's something you could do. I hope that you could take care of for them by making a trip in the car or spending an afternoon. I hope the Holy Spirit gets a hold of each one of us and stops us and says, you know, I would love for you, Jeff, to pray this afternoon by going over to Mary's house and taking care of that plumbing issue that she just got a quote for and you know how to do it and if you don't do it she'll spend $500 with a plumber needlessly and you could correct it and what a beautiful prayer that would be unto me sweetheart would you come and join me We always have at this time a few prayer requests that have come up, uh, things that Nina's already recorded or sometimes some things that have just been mentioned as we were getting ready for service. Other times they come to us by a text or by a chat. And uh, we're going to put on some music for you right now uh, as just a little bit of background and while we take some time and run through any of those that you have. Oh, and we're doing communion as well today, and so I'd, I'd like for you to go ahead and prepare your communion elements, would you? Get your juice and your bread, and uh, let's have some communion together in this time of prayer as well. Okay, well, uh, first of all, a report on Karsten, who we've been praying for, who had the lump removed um, near her ear here, and it was, in, we know it was cancer, uh, but they got that and five nodes, and she's clean in, right now, so, um, and, it's in, and the swelling is improving, and so we're thankful for that. Uh, we want to pray for Jack Randolph. Uh, they're on their way down to Cortez, I believe it is, They uh, where they work on, where they, uh, he, he has a lung issue, so he's going down there today. Um, we continue to pray for Taylin and Cheryl as uh, Taylin came home this week, and they're making an adjustment in their lives and um, figuring things out. And our Carol did not get to have surgery this week because now they want her to go into not just a day surgery, but a hospital surgery. So she'll be going this week. So we want to continue to pray for that surgery. Um, our Barb is at home sick today. Vicki Paget has an infection. Barb has a sinus infection. Vicki has an infection in a saliva gland that's made her pretty sick. And then from Mary, prayers for her friend Olivia, who is in hospice right now. So those are the prayer requests that I have this morning. Any, anybody, did I miss anything in particular? Okay, so what are we praying now? Or? We're going to receive our communion first, so it's coming.
has their communion, you at home or wherever you might be. We have these special little cups. <laughs> Look at you. I know I managed it this week. You did. You did well. Can I have my own? Will you do do with do that one? Well, this one might be a little darker. Did you get it? See, I couldn't get it. People wonder what we are, we're doing. We so. have we have. It's a little. Instead of turning water into wine, we're. That's opening right. cups miraculously. That's right. Boy, sometimes it takes a miracle to get these little cups open to that. It's a self-contained communion cup with the grape juice and the wafer sealed into the top of the cup. And sometimes navigating that little layer of cellophane is... But you know what? I have hope. I have hope that the Lord is with us. E even in, in... Did you know that pastors can paint it what is it? Pound it till paint. it fits. No, paint no. it till it beat, matches. Beat it till it. Beat it till it fits. Paint. paint it so it matches. In other words, they can make anything work with their sermon. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, what I don't have to make work is the fact that Jesus said, "This is my body, which is broken for you." There isn't a single thing that you've ever experienced that the broken body and blood of the Lord doesn't cover. Okay. He's been there. And so all of these things present themselves as distractions. Let's go back. Let's go back to that somewhat new, I, I remember as a brand new Christian, the things I used to do to just trust the Lord. And when I'd get into that difficult place where it seemed like things weren't working, I was taught to take my hands, cup them together, visualize my need, my compromise, my difficulty in my hands and to lift it and give it to the Lord in surrender and then not bring my hands back but turn them over visualizing again that I'm not taking it back I've left it with him and I bring my hands back it was a simple act as a, as a boy teenager that I was taught to do in prayer and, and I love that and still today I have found myself lifting my need before the Lord and saying God I'm broken but you're not not anymore you were broken for me so I give this to you and I'm not going to take it back I trust you with the outcome like Job had to do I just want to see you more clearly I declare to you today that as we take our bread together by faith that God is going to open your eyes to some new things in your circumstances and that you're going to see differently than you ever have. May God grant it by His grace. Let's take and eat. And after supper, He took the cup and He said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Wow! heaven and earth the universe has been changed by the introduction of the kingdom of God Jesus didn't come to provide you a way to heaven he didn't come to start a new religion Jesus came to bring heaven to earth 
and to introduce us to the kingdom of, of God under which is ruled all people by a loving Heavenly Father. And he said, so my body is broken and my blood is spilt to defeat the power of hell, to defeat sin. And so it's done. Aren't you glad? So whatever you're going through, whatever you've been needing to get the victory on in prayer, Jesus has already. Just see yourself in him. Don't try to get him. Don't invite him. He's invited you. So just snuggle up. Come on. Snuggle up to the Father right now through Jesus, the Son. Let's take and let's drink. Be healed. Nina's going to pray for this list. And let's, let's just believe that people are being supernaturally set free and healed right now. Amen. Well, we do pray, Father. We draw up close to you. We know you're close to each one of these people. And you're working in them and amongst them guiding and directing them into the right places with the right ideas and healing, Lord, and even through medicine, Lord, and doctors, you're guiding and directing for perfect healing. We pray for peace for Carol as she is awaiting the surgery and going into surgery this week. We pray for a quickened healing for Barb Cameron and Vicki Paget, Father, for Mary's friend Olivia, that she would know your presence. And uh, for Jack, Lord, that, Lord, we're just asking you for some supernatural healing in his lungs. And for Cheryl and Talon and their family, Lord, we thank you that, I just pray they just have a better sense of your presence than ever before in their home as they're making this adjustment to a new lifestyle. And we thank you, Father, that we do and can trust in you and rely on you to work all things together for the good. In Jesus' name. You know, I'm aware that there are some of you that have heard of this Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe even the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've inquired and you've been hungry. And I just, it was just brought to my awareness. I don't know how many times we've been up here, had this exact time of prayer. And I've never been made aware of this, never been prompted. But I want to release and pray for you right now to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a second subsequent experience with Holy Spirit where you are empowered and given gifts. What that one experience with Holy Spirit will do to transform your prayer life is immeasurably, immeasurable. So right now, if you've ever wanted to be filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to reach out right now as I pray, and I want you to take this for yourself. Father, throughout the book of Acts, we have so many wonderful examples of individuals who were hungering and came and they believed 
and you baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, for anybody listening or watching this broadcast who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I release Holy Spirit to you in this mighty baptism. May He fill you and overcome you. May gifts arise anew. May your prayer life come alive. New hope and new faith arise in your heart. In the name of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know when that great experience happened to me, and I know it's been this way for many, many hundreds of thousands of people. And I've prayed for many people personally and watched this power come on them. And their lips begin to stammer and they begin to pray in an unknown language. They begin to worship in a, words that they had never spoken before. If that happens to you now or in the shower or driving in the car this next week, would you just let it go? Don't be afraid of it. That could be the start of a wonderful heavenly language that God wants to give to you. This praying in another tongue, all right? So you feel free to just flow in that. Be filled with the Holy Spirit.